Welcome to the Crushing Land Podcast, brought to you by The Land Method. Each week, our host, Jonathan, along with The Land Method team and special guest speakers, will answer your burning questions on land investing or discuss relevant real estate investing strategies and principles. So without further ado, let's get started. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Crushing Land. Um, this week we're doing a really exciting interview with Genus um, today. We want to get to know him better. Um, I want to get to know him better too. So, you know, there's a lot of things that I'm hoping to learn through this interview. Um, I've got a lot of questions prepared for him as not only the co-owner of the land method, some things going on inside the business, but also some personal questions so that we can get to know him more on a personal level. So like I said, we have questions prepared for him, but if you guys have any questions, um, go ahead and put those in the chat. We'll be monitoring that and we'll answer any questions that you guys have as well. So let's get into it. All right, Genus, how are you doing today? I'm doing great about yourself. Good. I'm doing good. So one of our first questions that we have for you today is where are you from? Very basic question. Uh, Cleveland, Ohio, by where uh, my, my mom and dad was uh, of Puerto Rican descent. Born in Puerto Rico, you know, obviously moved to the States when they were younger. Um, and yeah, that's where I was born and raised at Cleveland. I still go there. I still got a bunch of stuff there and uh, that's my home. That's awesome. That's really cool to know where you're from and also the the Puerto Rican descent as well. So yeah. do you speak Spanish? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Fluently Spanish. I can read, write, talk it. Um, yeah. That's Spanish awesome. English. That's it. Yeah, I, t I took some like some Japanese and some French when I was in high school, but I don't remember a word of anything. Yeah, well, <laughs> well at least you got the Spanish down. That's awesome. Yeah, so, no, what they always say, if, if, if you don't use it, you lose it. Right. And yeah. that's what I did with the other languages that I learned. Yeah, for sure. So growing up in Cleveland, what was life like for you as a kid and teenager? Oh, um, yeah. I mean, it was it was a rough at times. I mean, you know, coming from a single parent household. My mom and dad broke up when I was really young. And uh, obviously we weren't rich. We didn't have much growing up. Um, me and my, I have an older brother from the same mom and dad. Mm -hmm. I do have other siblings from my dad's side, but from my mom's side, it was just me and my older brother who's, uh, he'll be, he's four years older than me. So, um, and yeah, you know, he kind of moved out at a young age, you know, into the streets doing stuff. And, you know, it was just me and my mom and, um, yeah, it was a struggle. Um, I, you know, and that one thing I will say, and this is something I've told everybody that knows me is that I appreciate my mom so much because she never, uh, no matter how poor we was, no matter that I didn't get the things that I wanted growing up, but she never resorted to drugs. Right. Which was a big thing where I'm from, right. The bad drugs is, is a huge thing where I'm from. So, um, she never resorted to that. So that was a good thing. But I mean, other than that, man, you know, just regular teenager, I was big in sports. I was huge uh, uh, sports guy. Like, I mean, I played basketball in high school. Um, I played football. I played baseball. I, I kind of did a little bit of everything and I was pretty good at it. I wasn't the greatest, but in my area where I grew up at, I was, I was one of the better players, um, you know, and then had a kid at a young age and, you know, that kind of had to focus on that. So I had a kid when I was 17. So I got, she's almost 23 now. <laughs> 
<laughs> we're like the same, we're almost the same age. I could be your daughter, I guess. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so um it sounds like you really had an awesome mom. That's really yeah. cool. <laughs> even even going through those struggles, it sounds like she was really a good support for you. So Absolutely. that being said, what was kind of one of the more difficult things that you had to go through? Uh, I think for me personally, um, it was in, uh, I believe it was 2006. Um, I, I went through a bell fog. That's why you see my eyes are like not even and my mouth, the way I talk and even like my nostrils. It's like my whole side of one half of side of my face went like turned. So like for like a month, I was like, like literally like that talking wise. And uh, yeah, I lost like the seventh cranial nerve went dead or something. And there's no cure for it. It just happens to people, I guess. It's called Bell's palsy. Mm -hmm. And like most of my, most of everything came back. I mean, I'm still off. You can tell a little bit if you like stare at me or if you see me drinking a soda or even a water, like I tear up a lot. Um, you know, it's just, it just happens. Um, but you know, just having to deal with that, not never having, like, like I said, I played sports my whole life, not never having a major injury, never had a surgery, like never had anything bad go wrong with me until this happened. It was kind of tough because it was like, okay, there's no cure for it. There's nothing that could be done. It's just like, if it comes back, it comes back. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, so that was pretty tough in the beginning. Cause I was, uh, I used to work at a call center at this time uh, at 23 years old. I used to work at a call center uh, in collections. So I had to be on a phone all day and, you know, with my mouth turned, I couldn't really talk. So, you know, it, it was rough for a little bit. So it, it, I would say that's probably the biggest thing I had to overcome uh, in my life. So, so how did you overcome that? You know, you said that was a really big thing, especially in the call center, having to deal with that. Yeah. I mean, it, it was just, you know, kind of just getting used to it over time. I mean, it took me a while, uh, you know, just, you know, the, the, the insecurity of, of looking different, of, you know, not being the same as I was prior to that um, kind of affected me personally a little bit. Yeah. But uh, as like my wife was there, support, my girlfriend at the time, who's my wife now, um, mm -hmm. just kind of, um, you know, there supporting me and telling me it's going to be okay. I'm going to get back to normal and stuff like that was, was, a, was, was a big help. But, but yeah, I mean, that's, and then, you know, again, I had a little kid at the time and they're looking at me like dad, what the heck happened to you? <laughs> but yeah, it was, it, it just took time o at, over time. It allowed me to kind of, you know, kind of start getting used to it and just kind of coping with it, knowing that, Hey, I may be like this for the rest of my life. So now it's like, I don't even think about it anymore. Like I used to. <laughs> well, it's good. You had a good support system through all of that as well. Yeah. So, so going from working at the call center and going through those things, how did you end up getting into real estate and why did you want to choose real estate? Well, I, I'll tell you, I've been with my wife now for a long time. And mm -hmm. when we first got together, like I said, I already had a kid. Then we had another kid in 2005 Then had another kid in 2008. So in like 2005, we had bought our first house. Uh, at the end of my 21st year, going to turn it about to be 22, um, me and my wife bought our first house and I had went to this real estate event because I always wanted to do real estate, but I had no idea like how to get into it. I mean, literally since I was like probably 17, 18 years old, um, but I just had no idea like how to get into it. None of my family was in real estate, not even as like an agent, loan officer, invest, nothing. 
I said, I come from a very poor family. So like they had regular jobs and that's all they did. Like my dad worked at a factory for 40 years. He still works there today, even though he's fully retired, he still works there today a few hours a day. Uh, just that's all he knows. Right. So I, I knew growing up, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to work, bust my butt to make small, you know, a little bit of money. So that's why I got into the, the call center environment because it was like uh, bonuses, commission and decent money per hour. But I had the ability to make a lot more money than even what my parents, I was making more money than my dad when I was 22, 20, 22 years old. Um, but again, for him, it was like, okay, I got my bills paid. I got enough money to spend on the weekends. I got enough money to take a vacation or two per year, me and my wife, you know? So for him, that he was comfortable, right? And that's the mentality kind of a lot of people have when that's all you know. Um, but, but yeah, just, it was, a, I, I kind of even lost my whole train of thought of what, what, what the, the question was, honestly, because I just started talking and just, just forgot. Um, well, that's really cool that you saw that him working really, really hard he never really got anywhere with that. So it sounds like you wanted to, like, if you wanted to put in hard work, you wanted to get things back from putting in that hard work. Well, well, th that was it. But as I'm saying, in, in 2000, I believe it was 2005, that's when we went to the real estate. I'm sorry, it, it kind of clicked again. So it, that's when I went to this real estate event on probate real estate. And I, I go to this event. I went by myself. My wife didn't want to go. She had no interest in the beginning. And so I went to this event and, and the guy was talking, I believe his name, I believe it was Mark Gonzalez. I could be wrong, but I believe that's, that's who it was. It was like, we was in a little hotel room. It was like 30 people there. It was like the little two hour preview events where you go, you register, they give you a free gift for going. And so I went and I, and I sat there and I, I mean, I was front row. I had a little notepad. I'm taking notes and I'm like, man, this is the best thing ever. Like, this is my way to get in until the end of the pitch. I didn't know they were selling anything. Literally, this is my first time ever going. And then they're like, yeah, it's 2,500 bucks. And I'm like, okay, well, you, you, I mean, I'm out of the running now at this point. I don't have no money, right? I mean, again, we're very young. We don't have a ton of money. We got kids, we got bills, and we got normal things that we have to do. And I go back home and I'm telling my wife, I'm like, babe, I found our ticket, um, the, the real estate, and this, this, that. Now we just need $2,500. She's like, well, how the hell are you going to come up with $2,500, right? Like, we don't have that kind of money. So... I kind of just like, it just kind of went away, but little by little, I would like the little free time that I had, I would, I would spend a little bit of time just kind of researching and, and looking up other real estate now because I see one guy. So now I'm like, there's more to it. So that's, a, that's when I kind of started opening up myself to, Hey, there's more than what I'm doing. And um, yeah, it, it wasn't until like 2008 when I, ha I had lost my job in 2007 and uh, at this point, I was doing, I was a claims manager for an extended warranty company. And we went on vacation, came back home, literally after a week vacation, the doors was locked. Oh, my goodness. So that's when I really started to like do more research on real estate, because I'm like, I couldn't find a job. I was overqualified. At the time, a young guy was making like 50 grand a year, which was not bad money back then. And uh you know, it just, it just, I couldn't find a job anywhere because everybody was looking at me like, uh, if I hire you at 10, 12 bucks an hour, you're probably going to quit on me as soon as you find a better job. So no one would hire me. So yeah. I ended up doing, uh, working at a national city bank was a bank in Ohio at that time for a short period of time at the end of 2007 to 2008. And, you know, during the day I would do research because I was working third shift from like 10 till finish. 
And I was literally just putting stuff inside. Um, what do you call that? Like a data entry person where I was like putting checks, like physical checks. I would have a, a stack of them that I had to put into the system. Okay. You know, make sure everything, make sure everything worked out right. So I did that for a while. And, you know, that's when I started to kind of jump into real estate a little bit here and there and kind of like start, start getting my feet wet. And then um, we moved to Charlotte in 2008 in August. So that's, by that point, we were already kind of doing some real estate, but then we kind of had to like, like, like it, it was, it was just very difficult in the beginning because we had so many moving pieces, so many things going on, young toddler kids. We moved to Charlotte. My wife had a job at, uh, at the Federal Reserve Bank. They transferred her down. That's why we moved. Okay. And then once we get down here, they shut her, they shut her position down. Oh no. So it was like, it was so many moving pieces. So that was more of a push to like get into the real estate. And then we finally made a deal happen, made a little bit of money. And, uh, you know, we got some help. Somebody kind of helped us out. My dad's good friend kind of gave us some money to hire a coach and to kind of get things done right. So yeah, it was, you know, make a long story short, we, we got a little help. We got a little jump start. Uh, we finally did, did a deal right as, you know, obviously the, the economy was tanking at this point. But, you know, as they say, millionaires are made, you know, in a down economy. Um, and, and, and I mean, I, it's, it's true. I mean, don't get me wrong. It wasn't an easy road and anything worth anything is never easy. Right. And, and so, so that's something. So, I mean, we, we, we played around with a little bit. It did well in 2009, um, 2010 kind of went back down where to the point where we were ready to quit and then just, you know, just work regular jobs. At that time we were both still working though, but we were just like looking to just quit. Like, okay, it's not going the same. Luckily we stuck it out. You know, we were doing a bunch of fix and flips and things of that nature. And, and then, uh, yeah, I just kind of continued to go up from there after 2011, 12. Yeah. That's really cool. Going from taking a lot of hard work to get there though. Yeah. <laughs> a lot, a lot of moving pieces, kids in the way, you know, and then through all this, my wife went back to school in 2010 again, cause we were struggling with the thing. Mm -hmm. So she went back to school to get a degree and she didn't graduate to 2014. So we had four years of that, along with doing real estate, along with having little kids, along with working. Mm -hmm. uh, like literally, it was so much. That's why I say when my kids come to me with, with BS now, like, hey, dad, I can't do this or I can't manage this or I can't. I'm like, listen, we've managed three kids, two full time jobs, doing real estate part time and my wife going to school full time. I mean, there was some days we didn't even see her. Because yeah. she was, school, you know, she'd go work for the, the school district in Charlotte, you know, from eight to four. And then right after work, she went straight to school to eight, nine o'clock at night. Then she'd come home and cook us dinner or, you know, her mom lives close by. So her mom would cook us dinner because I don't cook. I'm just that's one thing about me. One, you want to know anything about me? I don't cook anything. Never have, never will. Not, a, not even on the grill? Not even, man, barely, like maybe a steak or something like once a month. But that's about it. I'm not I'm not a cook at all. I suck at it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a taste tester. <laughs> I'd love to be just the taste tester. That'd be awesome. <laughs> anyway, so that's really cool to see how you got into everything. Now that you are here, you're an investor full-time. What's your favorite part about it? I, I, my favorite part is, is helping people that started, you know, that, that start and, and kind of see their, their, the, the progression over time where, you know, they, they start with nothing. They have a lot of skepticism about, can you really help me? Are you going to help me? Am I going to do this? And then when you start to see them grow 
over time, little by little, where it's like, oh, they got their first deal. They're super excited, right? Now they put a little more time into the business. Then they get their second, their third, their fifth, their 10th deal. And now they're like, oh, this really does work. Yeah, it's not easy. It's not simple. Um, it, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of patience. It takes time. But if you stick with it, it, it does work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I understand. I love that. Also that feeling of just seeing someone's eyes light up when they, when they really get it, you know, <laughs> that's, well, and that's the biggest thing. I mean, cause you know, at the end of the day, um, what I always say, like if I was able to do it coming from where I came from the mentality that I had growing up, like growing up, I never even took a vacation, like outside of the state. I bet I, I went out of the state like one time when I was like 10 until I was about 17, 18 years old. Literally, we never went on vacations. We didn't even go to like Disney World, Florida. Like we went nowhere. We just was Ohio kids. We just always was in the city. Our vacation was like going to Cedar Point or going to Jogger Lake and SeaWorld every year. That, that was our vacations, you know, every year was that. Cedar Point's fun though. <laughs> oh, it's, it's amazing. But, you know, it gets boring I, I every you. year. <laughs> <laughs> so you said that you had done a lot of fix and flips before. Why did you end up choosing to focus just on land and not on those other aspects? The, the, the biggest reason is because, I mean, we were doing uh, several fix and flips a year and, and the stress from doing it in other states, right? Because we would do a lot in Ohio. Um, obviously, where I'm from, I know the market like the back of my hand. So that was where I was comfortable doing them at. Um, we did a few here in Charlotte. We did a few in other states, but I was always more of the virtual guy, more of the manager, you know, hiring the, the, the contractors, putting everything in place, kind of managing the whole project like a project manager or something like that. And it just became so difficult to the point where, like, me and my wife almost got divorced because it was it was that bad. Like, just the stress level was was way high. And then, you know, I started doing the land and it was like, oh, man, this is like, I can make good profits without tying up my money, without tying up hours a day of my time, without having to be away from my family for hours at a time. So uh, that's why I gravitated more towards land. I still do and still have always have done a fix and flip here and there or, you know, rental property or something like that, because I don't believe in just putting all my eggs in one basket, right? Um, so I always try to diversify and do different things even to this day, but I don't actively now like market for houses. If a deal comes my way and it makes sense, you know, Hey, I'm not going to say no, yeah, you got that I, it's got to be a great deal. In my opinion, like it has to be a really good deal for me to take it. And I know I'm not going to lose. Right. And that, in that case, I'm taking them, but I'm not actively looking for it. And, and land was just, uh, uh, like I said, it was so much easier to do versus the fix and flip um and even with the household selling i mean we did we do some of that we've done some of that but it, it's it's a different ball game in my opinion i mean it's similar as far as styles as far as like the processes and all that stuff but it's also different with competition and everything that you got going on so yeah land just seems a lot simpler i've never done the fix and flip things but land is very uh, a lot of a lot more simple than all of that that and a lot less moving pieces, right? I mean, you don't have contractors, you don't have appraisers, you don't have loan companies involved, right? Mortgage companies, this person's gonna go get a mortgage. You gotta do this, you got the inspector coming in to make sure everything's legit. They always find something. You gotta hope the appraisal uh, comes in at price. 
if it comes in under, then if it's FHA, you got to disclose it. You can't, you can't basically sell it for more than that to FHA for X amount of months. So there's just a lot more moving pieces. Whereas with land is just you, the buyer, the seller, and the title company, right? I mean, if they want to do something to the land, they can do it themselves. If they want to get it, uh, Pert tested if, or if it needs to, if they want to get a survey done, I mean, that's on the seller. We normally don't do most of that stuff unless we're trying to maximize the value of that lot. Yeah. So going through all of that, finally getting to where you are now, who do you think was the most important person that helped you through all of this? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question because there's a few people but I would say the biggest, the most helpful person that has helped me along my journey of running the businesses that I've run from the call center to the relationships that I've been able to build with some of these successful investors. Um, and also someone that really just like truly, truly believed in me from like the first few months that I worked with him. Um, it would be Nathan Amaral. And I know a lot of people know Nathan. Um, he's an awesome guy. I, I've known him for years. I mean, um, he used to be my manager when I worked for another guru, um, oh. another real estate guy. And that's how I met him like 2009 ish or 2010, something like that. Um, I used to work for another, uh, real estate wholesaler, uh, here locally. And, and Nathan was the manager. He was like a, just like an acting manager. Like it was like our trainer. And then the manager had quit or got fired. I don't recall what happened. And they asked him to stay on board. And we were all really cool with him. It was only like six or seven of us. And we were all really cool with him. We loved him. And, but he's the one that he always told me, look, man, you're way better than this job. Like, like you're way better than this job. And for me, it was like, you know, where I come from, don't nobody look out for you like that. So I was very hesitant for like, literally like a year, like, dude, you're tripping, like back up. You don't know me like that. And where I come from, people don't help people like that. So I don't know what you're trying to get out of here. I don't know if you're trying to get me fired. I don't know what you're trying to do. Because, I mean, we were making good money at the job. I mean, we were making hella good money. And it was just that, that uh, for, for me, I was a little hes hesitant. And, and so my wife told me, she was like, look, maybe he really is trying to help you. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, uh, you know, where we're from, we don't really get help like that. So I was just literally like, like 10 months, I was like fighting him on everything because I just didn't trust him. Right, yeah. And he kind of, I said, I finally said, okay, well, if you think I'm that good, set me up some meetings. And he literally set me up some meetings to, to, to like go out on my own, to do certain things in, in the back end of the business. Not like so, like, and as far as real estate, he's helped me, but also on the back end of building relationships and, and helping other big speakers with platforms and stuff like that, 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 you know, that I've been able to help people with. He helped you so much. And now you're doing the same thing for other people. That's, that's it. That's what, that's what it comes down to, man, is passing it along, passing along knowledge. Cause guess what? I can't take it all with me. I can't buy up every piece of land or every house in America. So why not, you know, provide knowledge and help others that are serious, that are truly uh, wanting to get out of their current situation or better their current situation, right? At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. And I've heard you tell people um, before that you've been helping people spe specifically in real estate reach their goals for about 13 years now. So can you tell me a little bit more about that, how you help people reach their goals? Yeah. And, and that kind of goes back to what I was just saying. Uh, I mean, I, I've worked with a lot of speakers, some very big that, you know, you see on TV or you, you, you hear, or you see all over the Internet. 
as well as some very small ones from from land invest from land speakers to to house speakers to multifamily speakers to to eBay to a lot of other things. I've worked with a lot of these speakers on the back end, whether it was in sales, whether it was a customer service, whether it was putting plans together, building stuff, training. I mean, I've done a lot of different things and help people um, and, and, and being able to help the student at the end of the day, right? Uh, and that was our biggest thing is, is every company I went to, and a lot of them didn't, some of them didn't last long because I just didn't believe in the company, the organization, once I got in and see how they were running things, it, it just wasn't a fit for me. So some was long-term, some was more short, short-term. For example, my, my most recent one, I was with the, uh, you know, a big land guy for a while, for, for, for five or six years. Um, awesome, awesome, awesome people. And it, it, towards the end, it just, it just wasn't what, 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 what I wanted, right? What wasn't right for me, I didn't think it was right. When you're a mom and pop, and you're doing great to now you're just a number at the end of the day, right? Now it's just more about the money. And don't get me wrong, we all want money, we all love money. Money makes the world go round, but I gotta be able to sleep good at night at the end of the day, right? And, and that's something about me, I, I, I ain't no liar, I don't BS people, I, I, don't, I don't, and I'm not saying that that's what was going on completely, but I, I'm just someone that's straight up, I'm straight up, and I want you to be straight up as well. And if it ain't there, it just ain't there no more. And that's kind of what happened after six years. I, I, I picked up my team and I said, look, man, we're out of here. You know, no hard feelings. To this day, I have no hard feelings. I know I, I get a lot. I hear a lot of stuff being said about myself, about Jonathan, you know, this, this and that from, from other companies. But, you know, we don't reply. We don't respond. Why? Because, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, our main goal is to try to help people better themselves and better their lives. That's really important. Thank you for all these candid answers. This is really good so far. At least I feel that way. I've gotten to know more about you too. Um, yeah. Again, if you guys who are watching have any questions for Genus as we're going along, make sure to put them in the chat and we will definitely get um, to answering those at the, near the end of the session today. So just to break things up a little bit, getting kind of more away from serious questions, I thought it would be fun to play a little game, you know, just answer some some more random questions, you know, more personal questions. So the first one that I was thinking of is what's your favorite drink? Uh, ice cold beer. Ice cold beer. Yeah. Or water. I mean, I drink a lot of water and, and, and ice cold beer. I love an ice cold beer, especially on a 90 something degree day. Like it's been over here uh, yesterday, for example, I moved my daughter into college and um, you know, we, we've, I was sitting there building stuff and, you know, for like five hours, I'm building everything that needs to be built for her. And we finally done, I'm like, look, I'm starving now. We went to the restaurant. I said, like, give me an ice cold beer. I need ice cold beer at this point. <laughs> is there a specific one that is your favorite? My favorite beer, I would say right now, um, I would say it's Landshark. Landshark. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful like island style lager. It's, you know, I'm a light kind of beer. I don't it's, like it's, it's real light, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a light beer. It's, it's beautiful for like when you're outside in the sun. That and there's another beer. It's a summer beer only called Heller High Watermelon. If you like watermelon, yeah. this beer is phenomenal. It's phenomenal. That, sound, that sounds amazing. Yeah, so those, those the, are my favorites. <laughs> the food theme here. What about food? What's your favorite kind of food? My favorite kind of food is rice and beans, baby. I'm Puerto Rican. My okay. wife makes some great rice and beans with, with any kind of meat. Give me a, some, some baked chickens, some fried chicken. Some I don't eat too much like pork chops. I don't know why. I grew up eating it my whole life, and now it's like it's nasty to me. 
Well, probably because um, that's all you ate, right? <laughs> like, I, I mean, I, I eat pork, just not pork chops for some reason. I love bacon. I love sausage, you know, all that stuff. Pork shoulder, you throw it in the oven. My wife makes, I love, but I just don't like pork chops. So rice and beans and any kind of meat you throw on there, I'm going to eat it. That sounds amazing. All right. So what about traveling? What's the favorite place um, you've ever traveled or, or like to continue to go back to, I should say? Oh, I would say based on what my kids always tell me, um, they absolutely love Colombia. We went to Colombia and they absolutely, they always ask me every, every time we were booking a vacation, dad, can we just go back to Colombia? And I'm like, uh, well, we, you know, there's like another 6 billion places in the world that we can visit. <laughs> I'm I'm of the I'm of the I'm of the the way I think is hey we've already been there let's try other places mm -hmm. right where they're like let's just go back there so um, I say Colombia best place I would love to visit would probably be uh, Spain um, you know we want to go we want to go see Spain my daughter's been dying to do it we're planning one now probably for her 16th birthday in February okay. to, to either go to Spain or Brazil because she said instead of having me a big party. Mm -hmm let's go take a trip out of the country. Yeah. And now we got one less kid because my other one's in college. So she's like, we got one less kid, so it's less money, dad. <laughs> right. She's all about funny. saving money. She's all about how, how can we save a dollar? That's awesome. Okay, so you said earlier that you're really, really into sports. What's your favorite teams? Oh, Cleveland, everything. The Browns, obviously football is my favorite sport to watch. Mm -hmm. It's football. Uh, my favorite sport to play is basketball. Uh, but I love all sports, baseball, football, um, basketball, I love college football, Ohio State Buckeyes. That's my number one team. And, and also soccer. I like, I like to watch, I like to watch soccer. I hate to play it and I hate to watch it. Like if I'm watching kids play, I don't like to watch that because it's too slow for me, yeah. but the pros, I, 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 I like to watch it. Yeah. It get pretty exciting. I yeah. agree. So one question I forgot to ask you along the food line, do you have a favorite candy? My favorite candy would, would have to be chocolate M&Ms mm -hmm. and then like non-chocolate would be gummy bears. No Sour Patch Kids or anything? Oh, I hate sour candy. No? <laughs> Actually, look at the other day, like a week or two, there's these little gummy bear candies that I buy. I forgot. They come in a white pack. They're, they're so good. They're, I forgot the name of them. Um, I don't think I've ever heard of gummy bears coming in a white pack before. Yeah, they, they're like, they got this, they're, they're so amazing. I promise you, if you tried them, you would, if you like gummy bears, you would love these gummy bears. Um, but I, they're expensive. They're not cheap. They're like, like upscale gummy bears in my opinion. But I bought, I, the other day at Publix, I went like, it was maybe like two, three weeks ago. They always have the weekly specials, right? Buy one, get one free. Yeah. I had these candies that I love. I grabbed a pack thinking it's my gummy bears. I go upstairs, you know, at night. When I'm relaxed, sometimes I like to have, you know, a few pieces of candy. So I open it up. I didn't look at the bag. I just knew they were the ones I like. I grabbed one. It was one of them sour ones. I was like, oh, my God, I will spit it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right. So so what's your favorite type of music? Hip hop. Yeah. Yeah. Hip hop. Is there sure. All hip hop or a certain decade of hip hop? I mean, 90s hip hop is is, is my 90s early 2000s that's my kind of hip-hop uh, but i do listen to very few people today um i will listen to some people that are out uh I, I like other forms of music you know uh reggaeton um afro beats i mean we listen to some of that i mean i like all kinds of music but my favorite one is hip-hop for sure so you told me earlier that you're actually going to a concert tonight who are you going to see tonight 
uh, 50 Cent and Busta Rhymes. Oh, awesome. And Busta Rhymes is one, one of my favorites. Not my favorite, but one of them, Busta Rhymes. So who is your favorite then? Jay-Z for sure. Yeah? Hands down, I don't like, I don't think anybody, that's, that he's my favorite. Storytelling, wordplay, uh, rhymes, longevity, mm-hmm. can talk about anything. I mean, to me, he's my favorite. Yeah, so how about Beyonce? You know, we're on the Jay-Z thing here. Oh, uh, Beyonce, I don't like Beyonce too much. I never really have liked it, though, but, I mean, they've been together so long, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for them. They've been together around almost the same time me and my wife's been together. Really? When they got it by a year, though. I think they got together, like, 2002 or something. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, so what kind of car do you drive? Car do I drive now? Uh, uh, my sports car, I have a, a Corvette C7. That's That's my car that I drive, but... I mainly drive my wife's car because I don't bring it out much. Gotcha. Unless we're going to have like a dinner or drink or something like that. Is that the favorite car that you've had? This is, that was my dream car growing up, actually. Um, so even on the back, I mean, it's my, my business. One of my business uh, names is Dream Big. So that's my license plate says Dream Big. But I know some people pull up beside me, right? If they, you know, they're in their Lamborghini looking at me like Dream Big, man, look at my car. But you know, for me, that was something that I always wanted growing up, right? That was my, like, dream was, like, I want to own a Corvette. And this was my second one. I had a C6, beautiful car. I traded in a few years ago, and, and I got this one. I, I want the newer one. I just don't like the price tag on it. So um, that's why I haven't gotten one yet. I just don't, I don't, you know, when they're going from, like, 60 to 80 grand up to, like, 200,000 now for a Z06, it's like, that, I can go buy a Lamborghini for that. And, and yeah, that's true. And I, and I don't want to spend that much money on a car, quite frankly. So I, I probably wouldn't buy one at this point. So did you say you have been with your wife since 2003? How long have you guys been together? Uh, it'll be 20 years, uh, October. End of October, it'll be 20 years we've been together. We've been married since, uh, what, 14 years, 2009. So okay. we got married in 2009. We were going to get married before that. Mm-hmm. Um, but reality is, was obviously we didn't have no money. We didn't have much money when we, were that, when we were that age. We had kids. We had a lot of things going on and moving just to the new state and all of that good stuff. So just trying to get our feet wet. And I, and I came to the realization. I said, look, we, we don't have a bunch of money. Let's just go get a little trip with our tax money to Vegas. And, you know, literally that's what we did. We booked a little room at, at the, uh, I think it's called the Gold Coast Casino. It was like a hundred bucks for four nights, literally a hundred dollars for four nights. <laughs> and the free flights that they gave away from T-Mobile. T-Mobile had these, uh, you buy, you, you subscribe, I mean, you, you know, you get their service and they were giving away two airline tickets to like 10 destinations, Vegas, Miami, you know, LA, all the big places, Chicago, New York City. And it was about to expire. So I told my wife, I said, why don't we wait our tax money? We'll go to Vegas, get married you know, get a little wedding package. So we did that at like the Chapel of Bells right by, uh, I believe it's the stratosphere to have the, the outside stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we went there, got married, um, stayed in the hotel, got the little package, the limo picks you up, takes you to the courthouse, does all that good stuff. And then one of my vision board goals was for our 10 year anniversary. And we started thinking this in, in, um, in about 2014, right after my wife graduated, we finally started to have a little bit of money, like real money, not like, you know, a thousand here, 5,000. It was like, we started having some real money. We started being smart, saving up our money, you know, doing things that we weren't doing previously. Cause even though we were doing good in real estate, we were still blowing all our money. 
helping all our families out, giving them whatever they wanted, paying bills and doing all this stuff that we couldn't afford, but we didn't know we couldn't afford it. You couldn't tell us we couldn't afford it at the time because we thought we was rich because we came from poor, poor beginnings. So um, then we started getting smart and saying, you know what, we can't just keep doing this because we ain't going to have nothing for ourselves. So we started obviously learning how to save and doing stuff like that. And, um, but yeah, so our, one of my vision board big dream goals was to have a, a 10 year renewal of our vows mm-hmm. and have a big wedding because I know she always wanted a big wedding. Yeah. I can care less. I'm a man, but she <laughs> always wanted the big wedding, you know, with people and family and partying and having a good time. So that was our goal from about 2014 until 2019. And we saved and we saved and we put money to the side for that. Um, so yeah, in 2019, we had a big wedding, about a hundred people, um, awesome. family and friends. And yeah, it was, it was a pretty amazing day for her and for me also, but for her more, especially. Yeah. That's really cool that you guys got to do that after 10 yeah. years. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. So is there anything that you really enjoy just doing your downtime, like a hobby or anything? Uh, I mean, I love sports. So anything that has to do with sports, playing it, watching it teaching it. I mean, I've been a coach for years. I would say that the biggest thing that I like to do is, I mean, the biggest thing that I do every day is work out with my daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, literally, I, you know, and I, we talk about it all the time, literally. I mean, in the gym, on the field, she plays softball, she plays basketball. And I mean, that's the biggest thing, like my number one hobby right now is just training her to get, be the best person she could be. That's awesome. That's really cool. That you're that you're with her all the time. I'm sure she enjoys that too, hanging all out with you and working out together and stuff. Yeah, every day, seven days a week. Well, six. I would say six days a week because there's always a day that something comes up and we don't do anything. <laughs> yeah. So awesome. We got some really cool questions to for you to answer there. Again, for everybody in the audience, if you have any questions, keep dropping them in the chat. I've seen that there's a lot. I've got a lot on my phone here from you guys. So that's awesome. But keep them coming. Keep them coming. We want some more. I saw in here, actually, Nick also said that he and JP are on their way to buy all the land in Columbus. So <laughs> that's really cool. Buy it up. Yeah, we've got we've got a successful student right there. All of you guys can be successful students as well. We want to help you out. You know, Genus is talking about how he loves to help the students out and love to see them reach their goals. So you can be one of those too. That's really awesome. I, I don't, I don't really like to be in a spotlight much being on camera and all that, but I mean, I do this business every day. So, I mean, I love to talk to people. It's funny, right? Because me and Jonathan talk about this a few times. He's like, uh, you love to talk to people. You, we can talk all day. Uh, and even other students have told me that, but like when it comes to getting on camera and, and doing all of this, I don't know. I'm just, I, I've never been that person. I like to just, I'd rather be low key. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, well, I've got some more questions about you and real estate specifically. So the first one I have is how do you feel about the current real estate market? I mean, I think this is the time where, um, as I said earlier, you know, what, what has always been said is, I mean, millionaires are made in a down economy. I think the economy is, is, is really, uh, over high right now. And what I mean by that is like, like interest rates being super high, people not being able at some point, the, the, the foreclosures are already starting to hit. They're going to hit hard. And, and not only house foreclosures, I'm talking ve- people's vehicles are going to be repossessed, which is a start of a disaster. Payments are so high. I think Jonathan posted something yesterday about the average car payment, like 700 or something dollars a month. 
Um, average mortgage, like 2,700, 2,200, something like that. I mean, if you look at the math, if you do the math, people don't make that much money. Right. For one, the average person is not making 150 grand a year, right? You no. make 150 grand a year, you're like in the top five or seven percent or something in 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 in, in the world, mm-hmm. uh, for that matter. So the average person is making 40 to 75 grand a year, probably. Yep, and I actually looked it up today. The U.S. is 67,000 right now. Okay, 67,000 average person is making. And I mean, if you got a $2,700 mortgage payment and $700 car payment, I mean, do the math. You're making 67, you're bringing home 40, 45. Right. Mm-hmm. Just like 3,500 bucks a month, you know, $4,000 a month. That's what you're bringing home out mm-hmm. of the 67 because you got taxes, you got insurance, you got everything else that comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, so the average person cannot afford, but the problem is, is us as people, we try to take advantage of, uh, the little things that are given to us, thinking that we're getting over on them, but they're really getting over on us because long term we can't afford it, right? But people love to live beyond their means, which means they go out and buy stuff and do things that they probably shouldn't be doing because they're not looking at the long term effect. They're yep. looking at the, the right now they're satisfaction. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Looking at the right now satisfaction. I'm going to have my own house. I'm going to be able to tell everybody I got my own house, right? But you ain't going to be able to tell everybody you can't afford it in six months or a year from now. Or if one little thing changes in your life, you can't afford it no more. And then guess what happens? The bank don't care. They don't want to hear that you can't afford a payment. They're going, going right to your credit. Your credit's going to get shot down, just like it happened in 2005, 2006. I'm not saying it's going to happen like that. But what I'm saying is too many people are living beyond their means. And there's going to be, I believe, it's going to hit the fan pretty quick. Um, probably like within the, the first quarter of next year. I think the foreclosure will be pretty high. People's cars are going to be repossessed. Um, that may be another good business, you know, get into the car business. Um, <laughs> honestly, I mean, for some people, you know, they want to make a little bit of money here and there. I know buddies that do it now and they make, they make great money doing it. Um, but I think the real estate market is going to be great for investing, especially once all this stuff starts hitting the fan. I, I think it's great now, but I think it's going to be better. But I do think it'll be short-lived because once they drop those rates again, a lot of people are going to be refinancing. And you know, every presidential election, you know, everything all of a sudden starts to get better. Gas prices get better. You know, interest rates start to go down. You know, hey. so that's that, that's my opinion of it. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good to know. I know a lot of people always look to seasoned investors to get their advice, and you're definitely a seasoned investor. <laughs> So yeah. going back to years, years back now, how did you and Jonathan meet? I met Jonathan uh, through another land investor at a real estate event, I actually trying to sell him some coaching. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked a little bit about it. And I mean, literally, we had a meeting, me, him and Hannah. And I think his dad was there the first time. First oh, time yeah. I, I thought his dad was there, maybe. Um, and we just, you know, kind of had a casual conversation. And, and that's when I really found out that. This was maybe like 2014, 2013, something like that. Yeah. In Florida, he just happened to be at an event and it was right in his backyard where he lived, when he was living in Florida. And uh, I mean, we talked for a while and that's how I got to know him. I'm like, man, this guy's like a real player in the, in the game, right? Like he's doing a crap load of deals. And I'm like, well, I need to line myself with you. As This is when I was just kind of getting started in the land space. And, and me and him have always kept a pretty good relationship. And then he came on and was a coach for this big land speaker I'm referring to. And, 
And um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he became someone that 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 really, really helped students make a ton of money. And in fact, now, I mean, a lot of those students are actually coaches now for this big land speaker. And but they were all trained by Jonathan and started by Jonathan. And I mean, he used to coach me a lot. And the, the benefit I had was we worked kind of somewhat together. Um, and so I would be able to call him, you know, with questions. And whenever I felt stuck somewhere, it's just a, you know, at one time me and him had a conversation. I I'll never forget this. I was going to hire somebody to do the sell side of my business. This is probably like 2017, 2018. Now I was getting so many deals that I was kind of stressing because I wanted to sell them faster. Mm -hmm. So I told John, I said, I'm just going to hire somebody because I'm getting all these deals but I'm not selling them fast because I don't feel like I'm focusing my time on that, right? On that, on the back end part. So he said, why would you do that? I, I get you want to pump up more mail, get more deals, but why would you pay somebody 40, 50, 60% of your profits when it's the same thing as if you just do it yourself, just slow down on the mailings, handle what you can handle and you don't need to hire nobody. You keep hundred percent. If you think about it, if you did double, if you did double the amount of deals, but you're splitting your money with somebody else. It's the same thing as doing half of your amount of deals yourself. I'll say, you know what? working like, a lot harder too. <laughs> that's the smartest thing I've heard all, all my life. And I'm like, it's so simple, but you overthink things, right? Because it's just you and you're overthinking something where somebody gives you something that's, I mean, I could have thought about that myself, right? I should have. But the reality was my mind was thinking bigger. Mm -hmm. Just because I would have been doing double the amount of deals, I wouldn't have been making more money. Right? Mm -hmm. Because I'm splitting that money with somebody else. So. It makes sense. And that's why I said, you know what? You're, you're absolutely right, Jonathan. Yeah. Getting that second opinion is yep. important sometimes. <laughs> so so one, thing, one thing I will say that I, every time I talk to Jonathan, I learn something new, literally, because he's so knowledgeable and, and he's, he, he's just full of knowledge in it. So every time I talk to him, I always learn something. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems like you guys have been in this business for a long time. He was a coach you were selling courses at that time and coaching packages. Um, you were doing pretty good, it seems like. So what made you guys leave there and start your own business? Yeah, I mean, Jonathan left way before I did, a few years before I did. Um, I mean, the biggest thing is, is at the end of the day, as I said earlier, some situations just don't work out for whatever reason. And I, I mean, I saw the writing on the wall six months before it happened. And, and I kind of told, let all my team know and my guys that worked for me, um, I let them know, hey, you know, this thing isn't going to last forever. So um, just don't ever change who you are. And, and at the end of the day, that's, that's something I won't do. And I'm not going to change who I am and what I stand for and what I believe in. So, I mean, that's why at the end of the day, it just didn't work out. It didn't work out. I moved on. And, but also I knew me and Jonathan kind of partnered together because I know a lot of the back end stuff. Jonathan obviously is a great trainer, educator, person, very knowledgeable about real estate in general. And so it was like a perfect mesh, right, of me not only being a coach and knowing real estate and doing real estate every day as well, but also knowing a lot of the back end stuff that Jonathan may have not known, right, uh, from the sales and the marketing and all and a bunch of other aspects. I'm not saying he don't know that because obviously he runs a business and sells 100 deals a year. So he knows obviously how to market and do all that. But it's just a different kind of business, right? Um, and then some of the connections that I've had and, you know, over the years that I've built uh, that, I, you know, that, that, that you could be bring into the fold as well. 
And it, again, it was just a perfect match where it was like, you know, I know what a lot of these other companies are not doing, right? Um, and don't get me wrong, there's some great companies out there while there's also a bunch of not so great companies out there. But we know, and I know that what they're not providing on the back end to the student. And that's why I told Jonathan, let's do what they're not doing. And either they have to shift and follow us or they get left behind, right? What we try to do is always bring cutting edge, real information, and we're able to do that and provide that because we're actually doing the business, right? It kind of goes back to what, like, what we say all the time, right? We've updated the land method, I mean, the land riches blueprint a few times already in just a year and five months has been out. Um, we've changed our programs up. We, we've done a bunch of different things because we listen to people, but we, all, we also, we make the majority of our money off of investing, but if we are going to provide a service like this, obviously it has to be profitable as well, right? But we don't make the majority of our money from the land, from, from education business. Okay, that makes sense. So, so going from that, making your own business now, why do you believe that the land method is the best land education company out there? Oh, it's because, you know, I mean, we're, 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 we're doing it every day and we're trying to, we're bringing people what we learn every day, what we have learned over the years, um, true, raw, we don't hold things back. You ask us a question, we're gonna answer it, right? The way we would do it. Uh, and not a lot of people do that, right? A lot of people are on the surface and basic. And But again, when you work for somebody else, you have to do things their way, right? The way they want it done. At the end of the day, that's their business, right? And that's one thing with us is we do things the way we do them. The way we we teach the way we do things is what I'm trying to say, right? So if you ask me a question, I'm going to sit there and answer it. Me and you were on a phone call 30, 40 minutes the other day, right? About your land business. You're asking me questions and advice, and, and I didn't hold nothing back. I tell you exactly what it is. I mean, I was on a call with, recently with, uh, I believe it was David Williams, one of our coaching students, and I mean, had questions. I give him real advice right then and there, exactly how, what you need to be do, how you need to do it. And then I'll get on you because I'm like, dude, we don't hear from you. If we don't hear from you, we can't help you, right? At the end of the day, we need to be able to hear from you. We need to be, we need to be in communication. That's how we're going to be able to better help you as we go along this journey of, of, of you investing in real estate. So, Yeah, one thing I appreciate too about asking both you and Jonathan questions is you're doing it right now. You're out there buying and selling land. So a question, if a, a question that I have, I know you're going to be able to answer it because you're doing it. You're doing it every day. It's not like you did this five years ago type of exactly. thing. I mean, we're, we're, we're doing it. We're always looking for new ways to improve and do things better, be more efficient, you know, uh, make more money. Like we're looking, always looking for ways to improve. I mean, obviously they always say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, you don't fix it. You try to improve it. Right. And that's one thing me and Jonathan steadily try to do every day. How can we do things a little bit better the next time? Mm -hmm. yeah. So the land method is actually coming up on its third year anniversary. I almost said two, three years in business next month. How do you feel it's gone so far? I mean, I think it's been phenomenal. I mean, we we started off very small. We still are very small. Um, you know, we we work mainly off of word of mouth. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, obviously because if you've worked with us, if you like us, you're going to go tell other people about us, right? So we work a lot of word of mouth. Um, we do some marketing, but it's on a very, very, very small scale. Uh, we're not spending 10, 20, $30,000 a month. We're not trying to take over the real estate industry, okay? 
Um, we are trying to help those that are serious, that are motivated, and that just need that little boost, that little jumpstart, that little, you know, help me do things better, easier, simpler, um, you know, kind of kind of way. That, and, and that's just, that's who we are. It's, it's been going amazing, though. I mean, we, we've steadily have increased. We've changed a lot of things of, of processes and how we do things. We're constantly looking to get better. Um, that, that's just who we are. I mean, we're perfectionists in a way. Yeah. And we've got several students who are doing really good now. So that's really awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. So we've recently changed things up from more of a coaching program to a la carte style, kind of picking, picking and choosing what you need. Um, so explain the thought process of why, why we change things. Well, it just kind of goes back to what I said. I mean, at the end of the day, we're trying to bring cutting, cutting edge information. Um, we know Everybody out there, we know the prices. They're all the same. 20 to 40 grand is what people are going to charge you for coaching at the end of the day, right? Um, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Time frame varies. Amount of calls vary. Kind of help you get varies. The people you work with varies. 90% of these speakers out here won't give you the time of day unless you're giving them 50 to 100K, right? Whereas we know that. I, again, I've been in the industry for many years. There are some people that charge a little less, maybe not as known, not as big, you know, oh, I'll give it to you for five grand. You find somebody in your, you know, in your, uh, what do you call that? Those, those group meetings that people go to every month, the RIA meetings and stuff. You might find somebody there for four or five grand to kind of help you out. I'll help you until you get a deal. Um, sometimes that works out. Sometimes it don't. It doesn't. But with us, it's more about we listen to our students, right? Um, again, we're, we're always looking for ways to improve and we feel this way that we have a setup that we change it to the a la carte benefits the student because not only is it much less monthly, but it's a very short commitment time-wise, right? It's more than a month, but it's only a few months to commitment. I think it's like three months to commitment that we require because it's going to take more than one call to really help you kind of moving forward and getting to where you want to be. So we feel you know, a few months uh, is the time commitment, um, but it's not a year, it's not six months. I think it's like three months or so is, is what you have to commit to um, as far as the program. But again, it's more about just trying to bring um, students the information and the help that they need without them committing to a big lump sum payment mm -hmm. uh, a year without no guarantees or without them committing, you know, um, they're, they're, they're sacrificing their time because what a lot of programs are is like, okay, it's six months, it's 25 grand. But what happens if something happens to you or your family and you got to put it on hold? Yeah, they might give you the other month back. But in all reality, after those six months, after those seven months that you get, you need help again. And they're like, hey, I need this, right? I mean, and, and we've helped students and we still help students a little beyond that because at the end of the day, it's, it's more about, it, it's, it starts as a, as a student teacher relationship that ends up becoming a partnership a friendship where we're helping each other out at the end of the day, right? And that's what we want. We look at you more as family, not just a number. That's awesome. So talking about going from big dollar coaching to a la carte style, those kind of changes, are there any more changes or um, new products coming out? Yeah, we, we're working and I know we've been talking about the CRM since last year. Uh, I, I think we're, we're, we, we have it. It's done. It's done. We're just, we've been testing it. We've been working it myself, Jonathan. Uh, we, get, we got into a great partnership recently with the awesome, awesome, awesome CRM 
uh, company. And, and I mean, we absolutely love it. It's amazing. It's, it'll be out soon. We already have a name for it. Um, so whenever you guys see the land riches machine, just know, I promise you, this is the best thing on the market. I, I promise you that it's, it's, it's way beyond anything else. Keely, you've seen it. You're working it. Um, it's called a machine it's, for a reason. <laughs> yeah, it's called a machine for a reason because of everything that it's able to do, everything that it's going to be able to do, all the different ways it's going to be, be able to help you today and going forward over time where you set it and forget it, literally. So um, it's in the works. I don't want to give a date because every time I've said three weeks, a month, it hasn't happened yet. Um, so I will say soon is going to come out. So just be on the lookout. We'll have more information in the group, I'm sure. Uh, we'll send the emails out to people, I'm sure, uh, when that time does happen. But it will be happening very soon. So we have a comment from someone, actually. She said, contractors crushed my fix and flip business. Unreliable. So moving from fix and flip to land, do you have any advice for first-time land investors? I do. Do your research. There's a lot of different land so-called gurus out there or just land people in general. Um, when I got started on land, there was like three or four speakers. Now there's like probably 15 of them. So do your research. Decide on what strategy best works for you. Um, decide on who you like best. And then just focus on that one company. What the, the problem a lot of people have is they watch us, they watch this person, they watch that person, they watch this person, they see how many people are in those groups. Oh, I'm gonna go with this guy because he's got the biggest group. So he must have the most successful people. That's probably true, but he probably also has the biggest amount of unsuccessful people because of that, right? Because you're just a number at that point. You only can take on so many people at the end of the day. I mean, obviously, if you have a team, they can take on more and more and more. But I promise you, 90% of these people, their teams is not, are not investing. And if they are, they're really not. They're really not. Um, and, and I don't mean it in a negative way, in a bad way. But number one, do your research on, on, on these different land companies. Find out what strategies that they're pursuing and you know how to, what their investment strategies are. And then from there, Decide who you like best. I would, I would definitely purchase a course at the very minimum. That's going to be the A to Z on doing it yourself. Or purchase coaching if you really want to kind of get things moving faster. I mean, I know everybody's like, oh, I already know how to do this. It ain't that hard. It ain't this. It's not that it's hard. It's just that there's always roadblocks ahead of you. And no matter what business you start. So either you, if you're someone that's very strong-willed, you're going to be able to overcome those yourself, Right. It's just going to take you a little bit longer to do it versus if you hire a coach, you're not going to have to worry about the right coach. And let me just say the right coach, because people hire coaches and then, you know, they end up saying the coaches wasn't what they thought they were and this and this and that. It happens all the time. So do what's best for you at the end of the day, whatever you think is best for you. Some people hire a coach right away. Some people wait till they make money and hire a coach. There's no right or wrong way of doing it. You just have to do what, what, what your instinct tells you and what you feel is best for you. That's awesome. Thank you. So thank you so much, Janice, for being here today and sharing some insight onto not only your personal life, but also um, throughout the business, some insight into the land method and some insight into how you've done things throughout the years as well. I know I've learned some new things and I hope that the um, our viewers here learned some things as well. So we do have a quite a few questions 
from the chat that we found. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you some of those questions that have been popping up so far. And again, if you do have a question you haven't put in the chat yet, now is the time because we're starting, starting this segment, sorry, of the, of the crushing land. All right. So our first question is what are your criteria for a good land deal? My criteria for a good land deal is something that I'm a simple guy. I like the easy deals. I don't like the tough deals. So something for me is like um, 30 to 75K. I think for me, that's what that's my bread and butter personally. Any deals from 30 to 75K, that's what I can sell pretty quick. Um, in near the city, not in the city, but near the city, not so far out in the country. Um, and as far as acreage, it doesn't really matter um, whether it's a smaller, bigger, whatever the case is. Obviously, it has to fit for that area. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the biggest. My, that's the best for me. Is is just something that is in that price point and someone near the city, not in the city, but near the city. Okay. Good advice. I like that. So kind of along with that, what was your worst deal and how did you get through it? Oh, my worst deal I'm working now. <laughs> and it's a house deal. <laughs> and uh, I'm just fighting through it at this point. Uh, I mean, it's it's a deal that I got and, and I'm going to post about this whenever I do sell it. Um, I just took it off the market again. It's a, it's a deal that I thought was a, a phenomenal deal. As I say, I don't really market for deals for houses. This deal came across last year. Um, I had a family member helping me and they were really like, they helped me with like nine properties before over the last few years. And I mean, they've helped me fix, they fixed up all my rentals. I mean, player, very good prices, very good work. Amazing. And uh, I got this deal and they said, it'll be X amount, you know, to fix it all up. And uh, come to find out, I'm, I'm almost double that budget right now of what they told me it would be to fix it up. So I'm going to make a very small profit. But for the amount of money that I have personally invested in this deal, I, I, it's, 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 it's heartbreaking, honestly. So, yeah, this is probably my worst deal ever. Gotcha. Well, that stinks that now is your first deal. <laughs> Not first, worst. <laughs> I can't talk today. So we have another person who said that they have gone through the Land Riches Blueprint course. It says, the part that took me, that makes me the most nervous is asking for a nine-month closing. It seems like most sellers would look sideways at that ask. How do you respond to sellers about the long close? Well, first of all, I'll tell you what, 95% of people don't read. So they're not even going to pay attention to that closing date. Um, I'll tell you, out of all the deals I do, this comes up like once every four months. It probably comes up three or four times a year for me personally. Um, and, and the reason for it is because, again, most people don't read. If they do say, hey, I, I had this situation, uh, I think it was December or January. I had gotten a deal. I sent her to nine months. She comes back and she says, oh, that's a ridiculous amount of time. This is normally a 30-day close. I said, no, we have things that have to be done. We have to wait on accounting for things. There's things that we have to do. Uh, we may have to get a survey done. We may have to get a perk test done. Right now, the perk test is six weeks out. And I literally called before I said this to make sure that I'm not giving false information, right? Because if that seller goes and calls and they say it's two weeks out, then I look stupid. So 
uh, it was literally six weeks out. So I kind of told her, I said, right now, our average closing time is 90 to 120 days because of all the things that I need to get done. And she said, well, let's do this. Let's do four months. I said, well, I'll do four months. The price is going to change significantly on what I'm going to offer you. Because now you're rushing me at the end of the day. I'd rather, I'd rather put more time on the contract than ask you for an extension. A lot of times when I say that, they don't say anything else. Okay, I'll sign it. Because it's true. I'd rather not put in my time and my money and then come back to you three months later and say, hey, I need an extension. If you don't grant it to me, I can lose money if I have money invested in this property. And that's what I'm not willing to do. And a lot of times people understand that. Yeah. Sometimes they don't. And if they don't, they don't move on. Or, or give them that time frame and try to, you know, whatever time frame they're looking at, try to sell it in that time frame. Okay. That's good advice. So we have another question here said, so you can make money by improving the land, which is one way on average, how long do you hold the property? If, if I'm improving the land, uh, I mean, sometimes six, nine months. Um, if, if I'm not improving it, I mean, again, I'm averaging about 90 days from under contract to closing on the sell side. Okay. But yeah, if I'm improving it, it all really depends on how long all this takes, you know, having people go out there and, you know, you got to wait for them. You're on their time at that point. So yeah, it could be six to nine months. Um, if I'm not improving it, I'm sorry. I was just going to ask how often you improve land or do you typically not improve? Do you normally just like flip it? Well, I normally flip it. I mean, I, I will go in there sometime. I, I mean, I always try to see what's the best use for this land, right? What's the highest and best value uh, or the highest and best use for this property. But the majority of the lots that we get are like, you, you can't do much with them, right? There's count, town, uh, town, county, different restrictions. It has to be a certain amount of acreage or, you know, square footage, stuff like that setback. So uh, not every piece of land you can subdivide or do something with uh, or improve it. So in those cases, we just flip them out. Okay. So we had talked about before you going from flipping houses to doing land. How did you shift your mindset when you started doing land? I, I mean, I think it was because of what I was doing previously and how difficult it was and how much time it sucked and how much energy it drained out of me. It was almost like a breath of fresh air uh, when it came to the land. I mean, it was, I was really gung-ho about it from literally like a year in because I, I didn't want to really do it in the beginning because I'm like, yeah, this is all fun. Yeah, you make a little money, whatever, but who really cares about land, right? I thought like every other house people, well, most other house people think, who the hell cares about land? Um, but after, after some time doing it, it was like, I, I kind of started to like just go all in with it because it's like, it's so much easier. The profits are great. And I have different ways to make money, whether I'm seller financing it, you know, buying and holding a note, or if I'm, you know, buying it, holding it, like we did on one property where we held it for like uh, 13 months and, and, and made a huge amount of money off of it. That was the biggest deal. It was last year, the biggest deal I did, like $120,000 or something. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a big, big profit deal. The biggest profit deal I ever did. But that was, we took the risk on that and I said, let's just hold this one. And then um, let's just see where it goes. We knew that area was coming up. Um, so, yeah, we, we try to do that every now and again. Never had that kind of profits like that. But we, we, we will buy and hold in certain areas 
for mm -hmm. a short period of time to see if the, the values go up. Okay. So going back to your very first couple land deals on your first four land deals, do you remember what your profit margin was on those? Yeah. On my first land deal, I believe I made about five grand. It was about 40 something hundred dollars. Um, and that for me was like, oh, that this was easy because I literally had a few hours invested time-wise, right, in the deal. Um, and, and this one, this is when land was selling a little bit easier, uh, in my opinion. We were getting them cheaper, we were selling them cheaper, so we were able to sell them pretty quick. Um, my second land deal was several months after that first one, and I think we were just under ten thousand. Okay. Um, but I, I think all four land deals were under ten grand. My first four landed, all of them were under $10,000. Nice. Okay. Uh, that shows that you don't have to start huge. You can, you can start on the smaller end of things and work your way up. And, and I'll tell you, like my first two land deals, I think it was two, two land deals or three land deals. I actually bought them because I was scared to do the wholesaling thing for the land. I'm like, yeah. I don't know how, how this is the same as houses. So let me just buy it. It's only, you know, a few thousand dollars. Why I'm going to put this property out there and, and that was my mentality. I got a few thousand dollars right here. Why would I put it under contract to sell it? But then I, after a while, I thought about it because the first one, or, or it was either the second, the first or second one didn't sell right away. It took me a while to sell it. And I'm like, I see why people don't do this now, right? Because it's like, now I got my money tied up and I'm holding it and, I, and I'm not getting my money back. So that's when I started to like realize, yeah, I should probably wholesale them unless they're really good deals, then we buy them outright. Now everything has to be a really good deal for me to pay cash for. Almost right. like Jonathan just did that. He paid for like 12 grand and got a listed right now for almost a hundred grand out there. Woo. I need one of those deals, Jonathan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so another question we have is, are you exiting the deals by creating notes or cash sales? If you're doing a mix, how do you choose when to create a note versus going for cash sale? Well, I, I would say I'm probably doing about 60%, 65%, um, I'm wholesaling out doing double closes. The other 35 to 40% I'm buying cash now. So I did up that a little bit from the 80 it was like last year. Um, and then when it comes to doing seller finance, I'd say probably one out of every nine deals or so uh, we're doing a seller finance with. I normally only do seller finance with lower price properties. Okay. Just because I don't want to deal with them. So if I get a deal, let's say under five grand, I'm just seller financing it on jump because I don't have a lot of money invested in it. And I, and I have the ability to make really good money off it. For example, my last two deals, I paid 2,700 for one and 4,200 for one. And the, the, the 2,700 we sold for 15,000 with $2,500 down. And it's like 300 something dollars a month for a few years. And then the other one um, that I paid 42, we got, we sold that one for 25 grand on terms. You know, and, and these are and these are both at uh, eleven percent interest. Wow, that's awesome. So yeah, I mean, we we do we do those still, but we don't do as much just because we don't do as much lower price deals. I don't want to invest forty grand in a lot, and then it takes me twenty years to get my money back, right? Or five years to get my money to break even, and then another ten years to see you know five years to see a profit or something. So that's why we don't do higher price lots. So one thing on this question that I noticed, I believe this question actually came from YouTube. Um, one thing that's really awesome about our Facebook group is questions like this 
get answered very frequently. Actually, we just did, um, Jonathan just posted a poll in the group about this specific thing. And then after that, he went live for about 10 minutes, actually discussing all of this and breaking it down. So instead of, you know, Janice's answer was awesome, but it was only about a minute. So if you want to learn even more, definitely come to our Facebook group and you can watch that whole 10 minute video that Jonathan did. So we have two more questions from you guys. Um, but if you have any more questions, make sure to put them in the chat since we only have two left. So, so here's our next one. What types of improvements have you made on land you've purchased? The, the biggest one is subdividing, um, subdividing, upselling lots individually. Um, we also sometimes will put the, put the, all the plans together, the roads and do all that. We don't do the work. We just put the plans together and then sell it as a package to like a developer or something like that. I mean, that's, those are the biggest ones that we normally do. Nice. So, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> that was good. I like that. So do you perk test most properties or are you flipping to increase sale probability? I only do a perk test if I'm going to like, if I, if I'm going to do improvements to the property and it needs it. Uh, other than that, I mean, if it's just a lot, I'm going to wholesale out. I don't do a perk test. Um, there's been very few lots I do perk tests on like that. And I did one last year because it was like, I couldn't sell the lot for anything. Everybody, but every single person was like, I don't think that thing's going to perk. I don't think that thing's going to perk. So we got it perk tested and it perked and then it sold pretty quickly. So if it's something that I have out there and, and I'm, I keep getting questions about it, like if it's an iffy situation, like it may not perk, I may go in there and perk it. I'll take it off the market at that point. I'll perk it, and then I'll come back on and add that price to it. So if, if it costs me four hundred bucks to do it, I'm probably going to add another eight hundred or a thousand bucks for my time and and actually doing it. Because now it perk, now people are going to look at it a little bit more valuable. And even yeah. if I get offer a little bit less, I'll still take it. But mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So we have another question here. That this is a new student who is in the Land Riches Blueprint. Um, course it says but they're new they're not new they are not new to land sorry <laughs> do you offer transactional funding for your students if we should need it or do you have anyone to recommend first go off, to the resources page right under the resources page in the land riches blueprint we have a ton of resources there for you we actually just i actually just got off the phone with another um closing company that does nationwide closings um that I had a great conversation with, and I think they'll be added to that resources page in the coming weeks. Um, but yes, we do. Uh, we actually did a crushing land with uh, his name is Dave Dinkle. If you go to YouTube, type in crushing land, and it's Dave Dinkle. That's who was also under the resources page. But yeah, if you click on that resources page, we have a ton of resources there to help you with a, on a bunch of different things. So make sure you you, you utilize that page. Awesome. All right. Well, it was awesome being with you guys today. Awesome answering all these questions. I hope that you guys have um, gotten to know Genus a bit better and feel a little bit more comfortable around him. Now that you, when you see posts in the group from him, you, you know who it is, who's posting it. Make so, sure you like it. Like it. Yeah. <laughs> Say something back. No. And <laughs> exactly. like I, said, guys, I mean, you know, again, I, I, sometimes you may call in and I'll be the one to answer the phone. I'm just that type of person, man. I, I'll answer the phone. I jump on calls. I DM people back. Um, I mean, 
that's just who I am, man. I'm just, I'm just not out there on the, on the videos and all that stuff as much as Jonathan, because he's way better at that than I am. So. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Genus. Cool. We had an awesome time interviewing you today. And again, thank you so much for being here with us. All right. I'll have a great day. Yep. We'll see you on the next episode of Crushing Land. Thank you listeners for joining in today. Join us again next week for another discussion on all things land. If you have a topic you want discussed, send us an email about it at thelandmethod at gmail.com or use the contact form on our website, thelandmethod.com. Remember to join the Land Method Facebook group as well if you want to be the first to hear this content and be a part of a community that supports each other in our land businesses. Have a great week. Thank you.